Welcome to The Reclaimed Leader, a podcast by two pastors trying to lead their churches through revitalization and change. Their mission, to share their journey with you so it might help you in yours. And now, here, please welcome our hosts, Jason Tucker and Jesse Skiffington. Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode 63 of The Reclaimed Leader, helping you lead change without losing your roots. I am Jason Tucker, here with Jesse Skiffington. How's it going, Jesse? Doing well, Jason, and uh, full Christmas prep mode here. Have at least, I don't know, 10 Amazon packages on the way to our house, I think. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but uh, yeah, kind of that Christmas, uh, kind of right in the heart of it. So really, um, been enjoying that with the family and we had a gingerbread baking contest the other night and uh, a blind, we took a picture of all, you know, our, our gingerbread men and then when there were the ninja ones, I don't know if you've seen the cool ninja ones where you can do. Oh yeah. I've seen those, yeah. And then we sent them off to, uh, for folks to vote on them, not knowing who made them. And of course, I mean, you know, I, I happened to pull out the win on that. So anyway, I was a really proud, proud <laughs> moment as a dad, but, uh, anyway, so I just having fun Christmas time, but Christmas, you know, it turns out people have all kinds of thoughts about Christmas. Our culture's paying attention. We've really talked, you know, a lot about the importance of uh, us as churches and leaders and, and congregations taking this cultural moment that, that people are paying attention in a, in a unique way, whether they really care about it or not, they at least are paying attention as an opportunity to communicate the good news about Jesus uh, to them in some way that hopefully is, uh, captures their imagination, their attention, their hearts. And so today we're having a conversation with a friend of mine uh, that has been on the podcast before. And uh, so glad to get to share Jim Mead with you all again. And Jim has just written a new book called Jesus And. And then he has a series of topics, uh, six topics that he addresses in the book. And Christmas is one of them. Heaven, a new life, suffering, forgiveness, truth, really great stuff. So he's going to share with us just a little bit about the book. And we thought since we're talking to a lot of pastors, not, you know, a lot of you listening in, you're doing different kinds of things related to the church or leadership in different kinds of organizations. We're going to talk a little bit about how to preach some of these, uh, these topics and, and the theology behind these topics. So um, anyway, the kind of, that's where we're heading. Look forward to the conversation. Yeah, it's good stuff. And uh, maybe too, why don't we just real quick loop back on you? Know, we did a whole episode on kind of maximizing our impact for Christmas and uh, I'm just curious how we didn't talk about this before. So this is, this is a live uh, response, but how did your Christmas, I know you, you were doing a decorating party. You're going to have folks, yeah, you know, yeah. kind of, how'd that all turn out? It was, it, it was a ton of fun. Um, we or, didn't order enough pizza is what it comes down nice. to. We had a, a lot of people that were in town. We, we, uh, for those that maybe missed it, we, um, the Sunday after Thanksgiving, we said, Hey, instead of having like a decorating team, decorate the church, let's just all hang out together. We'll bring Christmas cookies and pizza and, and have hot cocoa and cider. And we'll decorate the church and break up kind of into areas and, and do some homemade decorations with the kids and uh, do some Christmas lights and kind of just do a family decorating party. And it was a ton of fun. Not everybody stayed. Some people made up lame excuses. I think a few people might even have skipped church so they didn't have to make up a lame excuse. I don't know. But a ton of people came out and it was a great time. Our staff did a a good job uh, prepping some of the the crafts. Um, We made some ornaments to hang and uh, from the ceiling and different areas. And so we had a plan and we had people kind of running the different stations to make it a good experience for the people that were sticking around. So 
we didn't just haphazard it, but it was, yeah, it ended up working really well. It's kind of a kickoff to Christmas. And uh, our youth even, they made a, a Christmas fireplace that's now in, in the church anyway. It's just, everybody got involved. It was a ton of fun. That's awesome. Uh, we had we had our big outreach event, yeah. Christmas on the Hill. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I don't know where, you know, wherever our listeners are right now, but I don't know what the weather's been like for you. But for the past six months or so, we have had the rainiest weather that we've ever, I can ever remember out here huh. in New Jersey. And, um, you know, it feels like every couple of days uh, we're getting rain. And, uh, of course, <laughs> it hadn't rained all day. Leading up to that event, and right at five o'clock, it oh, starts man. raining. And you oh. know, we have the whole outside portion. We're doing fire sure. pits. We had these oh, huge man. fire pits set up, big Christmas tree lighting. But here's the cool part: it didn't matter. Uh, everything, uh, everything was so great, and we were able to. It stopped raining just long enough for us to go out and to light the tree, and we made s'mores uh, in the ovens, and and it, they turned out great. So we we awesome. fed about 450 people s'mores wow. out of the ovens. Nicely done. And, uh, I love and, it. It was great though because it really it hit the bullseye for us. Our yeah. our hope was to create an intergenerational event that, but really that appealed to young families. Yeah, and um and and I mean it was a total bullseye, and the staff and volunteers did such a great job. And so I, nice. I was I was thrilled that that worked out. But yeah, I was like, oh, what a bummer. Of course, of course it rains. Of course, right? Yeah, that and happens, think, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, th- I think though, I would appreciate it. And you can go back and listen to our, our Christmas episode if you're in preparation mode still. Maybe uh, that's okay. You know, um, do something that's gonna gonna hopefully impact people this time of year, uh, and maybe even start thinking about next year how you can take this cultural moment and something that we as Christians think matters a whole whole lot and bring those two things together um, uh, to kind of encourage people this time of year. So yeah, really cool. I'm glad that went well. And we had a ton of fun decorating and, and that and uh, have our Christmas Eve invitations out. And we're excited for, for that, for that, that day as well. So I can't wait to see what's going to happen with your Christmas Eve morning service. Um, I know it's yeah. uh, none of us know. So yeah. uh, if you, if those of you who listen to our Christmas episode, we're doing a Christmas Eve morning service because last year, since Christmas Eve fell on a Sunday, we did a Christmas Eve morning service and it was such a huge success. We don't know what it's going to look like this year. The fact that it's on a Monday, but we're going to give it a shot. So I'm glad you're doing it. I can't wait to hear it. Can't wait to hear that. And again, I just pray that all your, uh, all your preparations for this big uh, Christmas season are going great. And um, make sure you take a little time for yourself. We said that last week, but you know, go get some coffee, do something to detach, even if, if it's for maybe half an hour, just, just to get away and do that. And I want to encourage you too. you listen to the podcast, you're enjoying it, please share it with other leaders, uh, subscribe. I know that, you know, when I uh, listen to podcasts, I listen to the ones I subscribe to. It's just, um, they just show up and I end up listening to them. So you could subscribe on reclaimleader.com. Just follow the prompts. You can also get a free ministry download. And we want to thank our sponsor, Belay Solutions. You've heard us talk about Belay and all the great work that they're doing. Check them out, belaysolutions.com forward slash reclaimed leader. All right. Well, without any further ado, let's jump into our conversation with Jim Mead. Well, so glad to have a good friend of mine with us again today, the Reverend Dr. James <laughs> Earl Mead. And uh, it's so good to have you, Jim, with us. And, you know, with Jim, when I was searching on Amazon for your new book, we're going to be talking about your new book and some theology stuff today. I couldn't find it under Jim Mead. Oh, great. I said, oh. Jim, Jim, Jim Mead. Oh. Where's Jim Mead? And it was Jim Mead, and I forgot, you know, that that's, you know, that's how I'm you, you, you never knew me as that. That's right. And Holy cow. What a, I love it. Well, among 
among the many things authors need to learn. That's right. But so glad to have you with us again today. Jim is actually our first repeat guest, Jason. First one, man. This is it. He was <laughs> our, our guest, our very second episode. So he and but so he's our first, right? Yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> but yeah. he's our first repeat guest. So first repeat guest. Yeah. So excited yeah. to have you back. Yeah. Thank you, Jason. So um, alluded to this already, you know, but you you just completed a book called Jesus and and there's a series of topics that you address that are super helpful that kind of come out of a lifetime of thinking and theology and preaching and those kinds of things. But yeah. tell us a little bit about Jesus and and what was it like to actually write and complete a book? Because I think there's a lot of pastors and maybe church leaders listening. They're like, I'm going to write a book someday. And then we write a half of one chapter and then it's in a drawer somewhere or saved on a file somewhere. So what was it like for you to, to write a book? Okay. So I'll tell you the, I'll, I'll try to tell you the condensed version of the story. Um, my uncle, Harry McDonald, who was a wonderful Christian man and a great witness and uh, early on with young life and everything, uncle Harry died about a year and a half ago. And so, oh, about four months after he died, my wife and I went out to love up my aunt, Aunt Hope McDonald, who's a published author, by the way. And uh, so, you know, we were listening to Aunt Hope talk about Uncle Harry. And and then pretty soon she starts uh, asking me questions about heaven. And I said, well, gee, Aunt Hope, you wrote a great book about heaven. How, when was the last time you read your book? <laughs> and she she laughed. And then she kept asking me questions. And she really liked my answers. And after a while, she says, Jimmy you have to write this down in a book. And I'm not kidding you. I, I did internally the thing that you sometimes see in vampire movies, you know, where the, where the, the, the person holds up and makes a, a cross out of their fingers. No, no. But my wife wouldn't leave me alone about it. And it turned out neither with the Holy spirit. So um, uh, after a while, I, I started to write stuff on heaven, and I'm not kidding you. Um, pastors know that every once in a while with a sermon, it comes pouring out of you so fast you can hardly type fast enough. And and most of the chapter on heaven, and actually later on, most of the whole book just came pouring out of me. As Jesse said, it's kind of the um, result of a lifetime of stuff. Yes, I stopped at times and, and spent you know half a day researching and trying to make sure that I didn't say anything too stupid, but. Um, but but a lot of it just came pouring out of me to my amazement. A couple of parts were very difficult to write. The, uh, writing about the incarnation was very hard. I, I wrote uh, three versions of that, hated every one of them, and finally got a version that worked. But uh, so I, you know, I, I've written thousands of sermons and so have, have pastors that are listening. And we all know that sometimes it's just murder and sometimes it pours and, and, uh, oddly enough, for me, most of this book just poured out. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I love reading it because it sounds like you, which is kind of cool. So, if uh, as Jim and I got to work together and different things, like I'm reading the book, and I, I would I could tell you who the author was without ever uh, looking at it. So it comes, it clearly comes from your heart, and and the kind of the cadence and, and just the way you wrote it. Thanks. as uh, relational and conversational sounds like you. So Thanks. I, I appreciated that. Well, I started writing in, uh, you know, I considered what voice to have. Mm-hmm. And I realized that in the end, I was going to write some fairly sophisticated stuff. And I decided I better have a pretty conversational tone uh, to get the thing down to earth for the real listener. I wasn't really writing just to, you know, to like you and Jason. I was, I was writing 
for the ordinary person who sits in the pew or who used to maybe and doesn't anymore. And so I, I took my regular preaching voice and, and notched it in the direction of book voice about a step and, and then left it there. Yeah. What's the meaning behind the title, Jesus and? Well, it's, a, you know, Jesus and six uh, major topics, Christmas, heaven, a new life, which is really born again. But I thought if I titled it born again, uh, half of my readers wouldn't read it because they hate that <laughs> phrase. That's right. Yeah. And suffering, forgiveness, and truth. Um, the premise is um, we learn uh, some of the things that matter absolute most about really big issues that matter most from Jesus. So uh, we, we learn what matters most about heaven from Jesus. We don't learn what matters most from Revelation, you know, 21 or 2, or or, uh, from other sources, you know. So uh, that came came out of a conversation with my, my mom when my grandfather, Earl, my middle name, died while I was still in seminary. And my mom uh, asked me a bunch of questions, and I gave a bunch of seminary answers, you know, because um, I was a seminarian and very proud of my theology. And after a while, mom got sick of listening to what a swell theologian I am and said, uh, Jimmy, which is my family name, you know, Jimmy, <laughs> I want to know where my daddy is today. Oh, and I'm not kidding you. I think the Holy Spirit uh, shook me up. And for the first time, I connected Jesus' word on the cross to the thief next to him to I tell you, this day you will be with me in paradise. And and whatever other answers we get out of the epistles and out of the book of Revelation or any other part of Scripture, there's a crucial word there that is rock solid. It comes from Jesus. It comes at a time when, you know, there's no time for messing about. Both Jesus and the thief are dying. So let's just get down to, to what really matters. And what matters is that when you die this day, not at the second coming, not at the, you know, whatever, this day you will be where? With me. That's what makes heaven heaven is we are with um, the triune bond, but we will see God face to be with me in a place called paradise. So, you know, is paradise the exact same thing as heaven? Blah, 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 blah. I don't know. I, you know, actually, I have a fine, sophisticated theological biblical answer to that. But it, it doesn't matter what where where I will be on the day I die is with Jesus in a place worthy of the name paradise. You know, I, I won't be in the dead way in the grave waiting. Whether my body will re, be reunited with my spirit uh, at the second coming, I don't care. I, you know, um, y- yes, I believe in the second coming, and yes, I believe in the bodily resurrection. You know, so don't start gathering up the sticks to burn me. <laughs> I love it. That's good. I mean, and I think what you're illustrating is why I think pastors ought to be writing books because the art of preaching is the art of translating theology into everyday language. Amen. And and I feel like uh, it's so needed because you know oftentimes when uh, folks, it, it's funny when preachers set out to pr- to say, okay, I'm going to preach theology. You know, it, yeah. it becomes kind of like a a weird seminary lecture when really they're preaching theology every single week, uh, yes. you know, in the craft of sermon writing. How, how has that approach helped, helped you kind of, again, translate these complicated theological ideas into everyday language? Well, um, underneath it all, there has to be <clears throat> really solid theology. <clears throat> but um, 
But my conviction about the authority of Scripture is that um, whenever my theology doesn't agree with Scripture, uh, what I ought to fix is my theology, not Scripture. And my experience is that conservatives, liberals, and proud middle-of-the-roaders all prefer to fix the Bible to suit their theology, either subtly or um, um, obviously. So, uh, so I, I, you know, if Scripture is silent about it, we ought to be silent about it. But, but Scripture is so full of life, and especially Jesus. Um, so if we're going to preach on the basis of theology, we want our theology to keep us from misinterpreting Scripture. But we need to interpret Scripture live. And what keeps it, what, what, you know, the doctrine of the Trinity ought not to be a sermon title. Uh, Jesus' baptism would make is a great one. Let's just tell the story. Jesus was baptized. The Father says from heaven, this is my Son whom I love, and the Spirit descends bodily. What the heck does that mean, by the way? But the Spirit descends on Jesus like a dove, and is Jesus God? Yes, he is. Well, there's the Trinity. So, you know, um, uh, and by the way, that's not nearly as neat as the Nicene Creed. It's just the revealed Word of God. Yeah. 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 I think that's a good point. And allowing scripture to be messy, as messy as it is. Yes. And not tidy it up. You know, we have this understandable, huge drive to tidy it all up. Uh, I mean, that includes, you know, tidying up the tension between um, um, uh, free will and, uh, and election. Well, you know, if God had wanted to tidy that up, he could have done so in scripture. And he did not choose to, which ought to send a message to preachers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I like to buy my meat under cellophane. I don't want it all <laughs> bloody and that's right. <laughs> you know, I want it all prepackaged, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I don't want all that dying. That's right. Good stuff. So we're talking theology and preaching. We're talking Jesus and and I tell you, if you um, if you're struggling to preach some of these topics or kind of to, to know how to kind of dive a little deeper in it in a way that's, it's uh, deeply theological, but also relatable. I think these chapters that you've written are really helpful to that. Uh, and uh, for you. me, I mean, Christmas in heaven, I know you, Jim. So of course I love yeah. hearing your voice in there, but um, your chapter on suffering, I think is one or that section is one of the better, um, better ones out there and trying to understand the nature Thank of you. suffering and how to, how to, to, to talk about that with real people who go through real things. And so I uh, really appreciated that as well. Um, so we're kind of in the Christmas season here. And so let's talk preaching Christmas because preaching Christmas, I don't know about you, Jason, but it's, you know, we kind of get the Advent structure and we have these things and mm-hmm. kind of our go-to thoughts and ideas about this. But Jim, what, let's just talk a little bit about your thinking on, on the Christmas, um, Jesus and Christmas. And how, how do we, approach Christmas and, and our theology of Christmas and, and teaching on Christmas? Well, as I said, it, you know, one of the hardest things uh, uh, for me was writing the opening to the uh, chapter on Christmas because I, none of the rest of my book will make sense without a clear understanding of the incarnation. God became a, a, a real human being. And um, it turned out that that was not very easy for me to write. <clears throat> In the end, um, though, um, uh, it, there's, it's preaching the stories themselves with our good theology in the background. Um, uh, you know, for instance, 
with regard to the incarnation, uh, what would we not know about God if God had not become a human being in Jesus? Well, actually, make a list of stuff. It's a, it's a long list. What we, what we would not know about the Father, there are some things we wouldn't know at all, and there are other things we wouldn't know uh, nearly so well. Um, Dale Bruner, the wonderful biblical interpreter, you know, uh, uh, quoted somebody, I don't remember who anymore, uh, who said, in God, there is no un-Jesusness at all. And uh, <laughs> it's not an elegant phrase, but it's a gorgeous one. And um, uh, we learn f- from the life of Jesus that God is a God who suffers and chooses to suffer. Can you see the suffering of God in the Old Testament? Yes, if you look. But the, but the life, uh, the incarnation, life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus makes the suffering of God absolutely clear. God chooses to suffer. So we learn things about God that we would only really know from, uh, from Jesus. We also learn um, um, uh, about ourselves by looking at uh, Jesus becoming a human being. You know, um, uh, we, you know, I learned by comparing myself to Jesus that while I love God, I don't love him with all I've got, all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I don't love my neighbor as I, as I am. Let me back up to other things that we wouldn't know about God. One of the most important things we wouldn't know about God, and this is crucial for preaching, the incarnation or Christmas. We wouldn't know that God gets it about us. Do you know what I mean by gets it? It doesn't have to have it explained. In in Jesus, uh, God has been there. You know, Uh, uh, nobody has to explain to God what it's like to have a body that um, is really terrific to have. You know, it runs and jumps and strong and, and, you know, sometimes beautiful and, and all of that. But it can also get cancer or a stubbed toe. And, and when you're a teenager, you don't think so much about this. But you get to be my age, I, my body's going to die one day. And that's just that. I'm hoping it doesn't die in an ugly manner. But I don't get to choose. And um, so God doesn't have to have, have anybody explain to him uh, what it's like to have a body. God doesn't have to have anybody explain to him what it's like to suffer uh, or, or to bleed or to die or to know you're going to die. God doesn't have to have anybody explain to him how precious touch can be or, or, um, uh, or, or how tempted I can be. Uh, you know, Jesus was tempted in every way as we are yet without sinning. Well, man, thank you. I, I'm glad that I know that God gets it about me because the son was tempted. And um, I'm glad that nobody has to explain to God what it's like to be bullied or, uh, or abused or to have your best friends bail on you or uh, to have your mom and brothers and sister think you've lost it. So they come out of love to rescue you because you're, uh, I think the NIV says beside himself which means, you know, crazy. So nobody has to explain that to God because God has been there in the eternal son. So uh, the message of Christmas is really precious, but we got to bring it down to what God was doing. Um, in, in Christmas, we learn how low God will, will bend. In Christmas, we learn that nobody has to explain to God what it's like to be a refugee or, or an alien. And, um, who has to run literally for life and death away from a, a, a dreadful, awful king. Um, 
anyway. <laughs> well, that's good. So, that's really good. What, um, um, so, okay. so then when you're preaching on Christmas, you know, the pressure is you got to give folks the mac and cheese, right? I mean, you got to <laughs> deliver the story. You've got to give them yeah. what many of them swell, you, you know, the churches for, you know, they, they show sure. up on Christmas to hear the story, to hear uh, a telling of the birth of Jesus. So how do you give them mac and cheese but also maybe throwing a couple of jalapenos in there or something that will wake them up from simply the comfort of cultural Christianity. Yeah. Well, um, uh, the good news is uh, for those of us in a semi-liturgical tradition is that, that we do get Advent. So we get to do a series of sermons, you know, not just the Christmas Eve uh, sermon, although that's a special opportunity because we're going to get people that night. We'll never see again, probably, or, you know, so. And they've got um, some wine in them by then. So yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> the you opportunity know. is rich. <laughs> Hopefully we can get down a little bit below the surface with them. <laughs> you know, the defenses are a little mixed. Well, so really and truly, the stories uh, the stories really do help. But uh, you know, the Joseph story, the Mary story of the, of the angels appearing, it's not hard to make those things real, and they're part of the story, and they're all priced. It's not hard to make the Jesus lying in a manger uh, real. If Mary doesn't feed him, he'll be dead. Uh, if if Mary and Joseph don't cuddle him, he will fail to thrive, just like any other uh, baby. Uh, if if um, uh, uh, you know the wise men come from afar, we find out at the birth of Jesus that that Gentiles matter to God. In fact, probably idolatrous Gentiles matter to God, and God loves them so much, He puts the sign of the Savior's birth where these idolaters will look for it, in the stars, you know? Well, I, I don't know that I'd be that generous to astrologers. And, uh, and then, you know, he, he, he reaches it. The first people to get the, the news are shepherds. They can't even testify in court. And all of this is easy to preach. Jesus, Jesus was an alien. He went, he went to, Je- to, to Egypt. To, to, you know, all of those stories really preach, and, and that all is really the mac and cheese when one of my black friends said uh, about preaching, you know, uh, grandma's got to have her gravy, and uh, you 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 better make sure that my mom and my grandma get their gravy, or everybody gets their mac and cheese on uh, on Christmas. But it's not hard. The story the stories are all right there. And the other thing is, let me say this about preaching. If you don't have some kind of a longing in your gut and an ache in your heart for people to understand these stories, and if you don't have some kind of wonder and passion of your own about them, then it's not going to matter whatever you preach. You know, and the, the horrible thing I've discovered in teaching preaching is this. You cannot teach pastors, preachers to give a rip. And uh, too many pastors simply want to preach a sermon that can be pronounced good. Well, you know, well, if you're really longing for people and you have an ache in your heart about them, but the stories will come alive. I love it. 
So Jason, you got to go rewrite all your stuff. I know. Well, here we go. I got some work to do here. So you just got to know this. Uh, so instead of me preaching on December 23rd, I just asked Jim to come and preach at Rainview <laughs> on the 20, on the 23rd. So, so you I know Jesse I'm I'm really trying to not <laughs> covet and to yeah. no, um, it'll be, not be angry, but no, you're challenging gonna, me, brother. I appreciate that challenge. Yeah, it's really helpful. I, and I think what, what's here and, and what's great in your your chapters on Christmas is that you you kind of set the frame for Christmas and then you dive into the stories to to kind of bring bring that out. And I think your point about going to the scripture to to uh, to bring the theology to, to into focus is is crucial. That we not separate a theology of anything, but particularly the incarnation from the actual accounts that are in the New Testament documents and how much richer and better and messier, but also uh, more um, somehow real yeah. when we, when we put them into that context. So I think that's important. So we don't stop and go and here are three theological points about oh, Christmas. Bop, 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 right. Yes. You know? <laughs> yeah. Please. I beg preachers, please stop mining scripture passage for three eternal truths. <laughs> you know that redu- that you know what that does it reverses the incarnation the word becomes flesh and if we aren't careful we preachers will turn the the flesh of the incarnate son of god back into a whole bunch of words and propositions and that's why i tackle in the last chapter jesus and truth Ouch. in the end in the end truth is not propositional god the god the person Jesus, God with us in the flesh, Jesus is the truth. Every, every creed, every statement about uh, Jesus is derivative from he who is truth in his own person. So don't boil everything down to a bunch of principles, especially if you're, not, if you're going to try to reach uh, millennials and postmoderns. But you aren't going to reach me with that crud either. Whoops. <laughs> that's good. No, that's good. I love it. That one stung a little bit, though. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. It's really solid stuff. So it's going to be fun. Jason, you can log on to our Ustream channel and, and listen to Jim's uh, sermon if you want to, because that'll probably be helpful to you. And I know it'll be helpful to me. Uh, and uh, we're talking about preaching and Christmas and bringing your book into it, and because you're both a preacher and now an author and, yeah. and all those things. I, I wanted to pause for just the last couple of minutes to talk a little bit about um, your your chapter uh, chapters on heaven because I think this is really crucial stuff. We don't spend a ton of time focused on heaven except for maybe we're at a memorial service or a funeral or whatever. And um, you and I've had conversations about this sort of focus on ancestors and ancestors, sort of a new version of ancestor worship in our culture. <laughs> yeah. and how people go around saying, you know, my grandma's looking down on me from heaven, or you know, I know that my you know, aunt who died is always with me or language you used to. And anytime you want, you, you know, you can ask your grandma for help and she'll help you. Right. So it's kind of, and then I was telling Jason this before we hit record that, um, even like ancestry.com, like you can go and find out more about your family history. And some of the language in their, in their marketing is, uh, talking about going back and finding out where you come from and who you are and who your people are and giving you a better sense of meaning and purpose for your life now based because you know yeah. where you come from. And there's almost this religious sense to your connection to your, your people and your past. And um, anyway, so I just found that fascinating. And I know that um, you kind of, you're, you're preaching and teaching and thinking about heaven uh, is really important in a time where people have all kinds of sorts of ideas about this stuff. So we talked a little bit at the beginning, but boil it down. What are we, when we're talking about heaven and the thief on the cross and 
on all those things, what are some things that we could impart to our, our congregations about heaven uh, in our teaching and preaching? Well, um, it's, it's um, real sad to me that we tend to get distracted by um, uh, all the uh, um, kind of furniture uh, uh, of heaven, you know, the golden streets and, um, and all of that. Um, look, the key thing about heaven is um, that we will be in Christ fully at last and that we will see the Father face to face. That's what makes it heaven. Um, the, and, and that also helps us come to understand what is the goal of, of the Christian life? Well, the goal of the Christian life is, is not, not, not to stay out of hell and go to heaven. I mean, I don't want to go to hell, but that's not the goal. The goal of the Christian life, Paul's goal, was to be found in Christ. And so in, in Christ here is eternal life now, so that my inheritance is now today already laid up for me in heaven. I am already raised to glory in, in heaven. And one day I will see the Father face to face and be fully in Christ in life and everything about me, including my sin. And if I remember my sin in heaven, and I don't know that I do, but if I do, even my sinfulness will be caught up in, will redound to the glory and wonder of a God who loves so much and pays such a great price to make me one with him through the Son by the power of the Spirit. That, that's the bit about heaven. And let me, I'm sorry I'm answering a question you didn't that's really good. ask, but that's let good. me tie that back to the chapter on a new life. Um, all this stuff about Ancestry.com and, and about Grandma and looking down on me and all that stuff, um, is a question of origins. The issue of born again is a question, says Dale Bruner, uh, of origins. And Bruner makes it stick with me by looking at the Gospel of John. So Nicodemus comes to Jesus, and Jesus says, Amen, I tell you, Nicodemus, you can't get right with God unless you have a new beginning, unless you are born from above. Well, what's Nicodemus's origins? Well, it's who his people are. He can trace his people back, uh, at, you know, through Pharisees and, and, um, and probably priests and stuff. He can trace his theological heritage back about 270 years as a Pharisee. He's got credentials. He's respectable. He's wealthy and all of that. But none of that will get you right with God. And, and the contrast is John has already told us what Jesus' origins are. Jesus' origins are not of this world. He, he, um, he is the eternal son come from the father in the flesh. Nicodemus needs a new origin from above, like Jesus' origin from above. So then you see how beautiful it's completed. We receive by the power of the Holy Spirit through the Son a new origin from above, an origin in God, in uh, that authority, that reality, uh, and we live in that reality by the power of the Spirit as much as we can here until in heaven, in the eschaton, is fulfilled and we are fully in Christ at last. Our, our origin is now complete, and all is wrapped up in the eternal Son in heaven. Yeah, solid. Let's, I, sing, let's sing the doxology. Uh, that's right. <laughs> there we go. As you go out to love and serve the Lord. Okay. Um, but I think there's something in here that's really important because um, 
I think some people kind of go, well, the goal of the Christian life is to be good enough so that when I die, I get to yeah, heaven, right, right? And, right. Or, or some version of that. And it kind of actually relates to, you know, Christmas, you know, you better watch out. You better not cry. You, know, <laughs> yeah. you better be good because you're not going to get your presents or whatever. <laughs> yep. And we kind of get that. But I think what you're saying is when we live in Christ or we're, we're born from above, it actually, and we live kind of that life of preparing for that eternal kingdom. It actually sets us up to live Jesus way now in the real yes. experience of our life. Yes. And then we can respond to the tragedies and the joys and the sorrows and the hard things and the good things with love and grace and compassion and generosity and service. Uh, uh, because of who Jesus is and who we are because yes. of who Jesus is. So it yes. gives us a resource now, a way of living now, and not just a, a someday I get to. And uh, I think that's right. that's the real So difference. the goal of the Christian life is not to be good, although good's good. Yeah. The goal of the Christian life is is to be like Jesus in in, in my life and in what I do and say. That's the goal. Yeah, it's you good know. stuff. Wow, we got really preachy and really theological today. I like it. This that's is good awesome. Stuff. Yeah, I love it. So. Um, so tell us a little bit more, uh, how can folks, uh, find your book? If, if somebody out there is like, I need to, to read about Christmas in heaven and new life and suffering, where, where can we go to get that? Oh, my, uh, my very favorite place for you to go would be to jesusandbook.com, which is my website. And if you go there, I can accept all, you know, PayPal and any kind of credit card, uh, under uh, heaven. And, uh, I'll, I'll send it to you. Uh, if you, um, uh, you can also order it from Amazon, and um, Amazon will have it to you, you know, bam, uh, right away. And um, um, you will not pay me any more than you pay Amazon, by the by, and I will make about three times as much money. Which well, dude, me- don't even mention Amazon. Come on. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, and you can also go to westboatpress.com and order it there. That's my publisher. Um, it's available through Barnes & Noble. It's available in uh, Barnes & Noble Nook. And it's available in Amazon Kindle uh, as well. So, That's awesome. You even spoke cool. doxologically about credit cards. That was pretty awesome. <laughs> Every credit card under heaven. That's great. Well, let's encourage uh, encourage everyone to go out and to uh, support Jim and uh, get the book. And a uh, really great resource for all of us who are in ministry, especially those who are communicating on a regular basis uh, theology in and trying to land it into the lives of the people in our midst. And That's so, right. Um, yeah. I would add to that too that the book is is helpful. I was helpful for me to read mm-hmm. as a pastor and as wow. a preacher. But it's not a preaching book. It's not an no. instructional manual in that sense. But if you have people in your congregation that are asking the questions that your mom asked or your aunt asked about heaven, about you know the things that matter most in life, this is a good resource to be able to hand to somebody that they could read. And they might have some questions about some of the theology in there, but it's pretty accessible to to, uh, a person who has been uh, in the church or maybe even is kind of new to the story and is wanting a little to go deeper. So uh, not just for us pastor leader types, but for everybody. And so uh, consider a resource to add to to the list for your uh, folks in your congregations as well. Thanks, Jesse. That's exactly why I wrote it. Sounds good. Well, Jim, hey, thanks so much for joining us again. uh, It's been a real pleasure to have you on. And uh, so excited to hear about you know what's going on in your ministry and and uh, with the book and everything and so just really appreciate you and the time that you're able to give us today. Thanks so much and uh, we wish you a merry Christmas. Hope you have a great one. Thanks, Jesse and Jason. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Well, Jason, uh, it's always fun. I just really enjoy being around Jim, and so having him back on 
uh, here a little over a year after the first time that we had an interview with him, uh, which if you missed that, you go back to the very beginning of the podcast. We, Jason, you and I were a lot more awkward probably. And oh, weird. totally. Yeah. Cause <laughs> we totally have it figured out now. Right. No, not at all. But, um, but we, you know, we talked about ministry and suffering and, and what it's like to, to work and live in the context of ministry and really great conversation. And then just fun to talk to Jim about his book and how that all came together. And, and then, and they kind of pursue that, that, um, how to preach theology and, and I really, uh, resonated with some of his thoughts and was kind of uh, challenged a little bit to think about how, how am I doing at making sure my theology is really rooted in the biblical narrative or the text that I'm using for that day and not kind of pulled out as a sort of a, a soundbite or something. I, I thought that was just a good reminder for me to make sure that we're being careful about that stuff. Yeah, that I mean, that when I wasn't lying when I said it stung a little bit, I think because, you know, in the sermon writing process, you're thinking about, uh, I'm often thinking about, you know, what are kind of a couple of points, application points, and they almost always turn out to be three. And I'm thinking, you know what, maybe they don't, maybe I don't have to do it that way. And maybe I'm stretching the text uh, in order to do that. And so Ah, that was a good challenge. It's sort yeah, of it, maybe a little uncomfortable. I squirmed yeah, a little bit when he said okay. it. Okay, and it yeah. doesn't mean that it's wrong to do that at times. And maybe, it, maybe it's just a reminder to, to make sure that it we're not saying something that isn't there. Yeah, in order to fit our framework or something. I do think there are times when I'll outline a sermon with some key points that I kind of assume the text or what I'm going to be preaching on. It's going to kind of lead me to. Yeah. And then I get into the passage and I'm doing some reading and, and reading a commentary, and I'm like. That's, it's not really what it says, but it really screws up my point in this illustration. And, and so I think it just, how do we craft our messages? I think um, sometimes my points end up driving the message more than the scripture passage, if I'm really honest. And that's kind of a, you know, I think that's a struggle that maybe as preachers, we, we face sometimes. Sure. Sure. And, you know, so, not letting the, the text just speak for itself and yeah. Um, it was just or a good you, reminder. Good yeah. Reminder. You want to make it. And I think, um, I don't know if it's Andy Stanley or who said it, but to make it memorable and portable, we got it. We want to try to create some really kind of a catchy point or something. Not even if not even catchy, maybe just a, a clear point to make yeah. about a passage. Like a bottom line. Yeah. Yeah. And so sometimes I think we can, we can do that and maybe not always, um, maybe it's a little too, uh, simple and, and when it's really a messier thought than we're giving it credit for or something. So really good thinking and fun to hear his thoughts on Christmas and heaven. And clearly Jim's passionate about all that kind of stuff. And he thinks good theology or careful theology matters and can be preached. And, uh, uh, he, uh, in his preaching, he, as I mentioned, he's going to be here on the 23rd to preach, um, kind of leading into, to our Christmas Eve stuff. And, um, I wouldn't let most people do that. You know, I, you know that's kind of a key. That, I mean, as, you know, we that's want that trust right there. That's, right. That's, and I, I trust, yeah. but one of the things I love is that Jim is going to, uh, he's going to speak the truth and he's going to do it in a way that um, is challenging and fun and convicting and all those things. And I can't wait because I get to sit and listen and just be a part of that too. So uh, looking forward to that and hope you will take uh, the time to at least check out Jim's book and see if it might be a resource that you would uh, want to add to your library or encourage others to check out and, and consider adding to theirs. Um, kind of as a friend of the podcast, you know, it's fun to support people that are in our lives and, and encourage them in their work. And, uh, you know, uh, so I, I'd recommend that to you. I have a, a copy here on my desk and um, I'm going to, Jim didn't sign it. I, I was 
don't know if uh, I hope he does, but um, so we'll get it. But uh, I uh, would love if you um, we'll do this somehow, Jason, we'll come up with a, a, something we can do, but I want to give away a copy, a signed copy of Jim's book. And so would love to get to do that um, on our Facebook group. Somehow we'll come. Yeah. Up let's do it on the Facebook group. Yeah. We'll do some sort of uh, game to get that done and then we'll make sure it gets to you. So would love to do that. In the meantime, I hope you all have a very great Christmas out there. I hope that you're getting time to do some gingerbread baking competitions in your own homes and, and whatever. And uh, look forward to continuing the conversation as uh, we do our very best, Jason, to lead change without losing our roots. Absolutely. And I uh, just want to uh, listeners, you know, next week in real time is Christmas. We are going to release an episode It'll probably get released on Wednesday um, if you don't begrudge us a little extra time to get the episode out because of Christmas Day. Uh, we, uh, we're going to probably do our follow-up episode to the virtual church conversation then. We had a couple of our friends weigh in um, with some sound bites and uh, been doing some thinking. There have been some articles that have come out and even a, a parody video that's been out on Facebook that is uh, we want to mention as well. So uh, we'll probably release that December 26th. And then once we get into the new year, we have a couple of guests lined up that uh, we're going to be talking with Tony Morgan of the Unstuck Group. They're a church consulting group. He's a longtime uh, church consultant and excited to talk about decluttering church programming. And uh, and then also talking with Bill Palmer. We're going to be talking leadership. So uh, we got some good stuff coming up and excited for this next year. Jesse, 2019 is around the corner. I yeah. can't believe it. And uh, man. Let's go. Time, Let's do it. Time this. just rolls along. And I know all of you are getting, you're getting ready for the Ohio State University of Washington Huskies game. So, you know, <laughs> just stay focused. Good thoughts for the Huskies as we go into bowl season here. <laughs> all right. We just lost most of our listeners. But <laughs> all right. All right. Take care, everyone. Have a Merry Christmas. Thank you for listening to Reclaimed Leader. Join us next time for more insights, interviews, and resources to help you in your leadership journey. 